Well, good morning, everybody. Great to see you in the room, and those of you online, welcome as well. Uh, we can't sing, but we can say hallelujah when we hear the word of God preached, can't we? Yes, that's right, that's good. And uh, I've entitled this message, The Great Collaboration, but we're going to read, first of all, from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 20, 12 to 27. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in one body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honourable, we bestow the greater honour. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. You know, it would be difficult for me to remember just how many times in my life I've preached on this passage emphasising over and over again the importance of every member of an individual church having a very vital and important part to play in their church. And I'm still totally committed to that concept. Every one of us in this church has a part to play. No one is indispensable. But increasingly, over the last year, I guess, God has been giving me a slightly fresh perspective on this passage. He's been showing me that these verses that we've just read are not just speaking about individual members of each church being totally united in ministry, but those individual churches themselves, the actual churches, also have a part to play in the whole body of Christ in order to touch the world. You could say, as each church plays its part in the body of Christ, and I'm convinced now of the absolutely vital importance of churches coming together 
if we are truly to make a significant impact in our society and in our generation. So today, what I want to talk to you about here in the room and those online is the missing ingredient. The missing ingredient in many people's understanding and expectation of how we can reach the borough of Croydon. And in a nutshell, it's this. No matter how committed and how dedicated every one of us in this church might be to our witness to Jesus and to giving our personal evangelism to the town around us, being faithful witnesses to Jesus and his gospel, I now believe that if our prayers for revival in the United Kingdom with tens of thousands of people turning to Jesus of hundreds of churches being planted to reach out and receive and disciple them, these things are only going to become a reality in our nation when the whole body of Christ comes together as one and truly starts to work together in mission. I believe that God's heart for unity, when we read these great passages like we've just read and others in the New Testament about unity, God's heart for unity is not just for unity within individual churches or even within denominations or movements. God's heart for unity is to see all his people, churches of all persuasions, coming together in unprecedented ways. And when we start to have one voice in our nation turning and pointing to the cross of Jesus and his salvation, then we will see revival come. And here's the good news. I believe we're beginning to see that happen in our nation. And I'm also very encouraged that I begin to see it happening here amongst you. I can see that you and Beulah Church in Thornton Heath are beginning together to recognise the call of God upon you as two churches to play a very significant role in bringing about a new era, a new era in the body of Christ. An era where I believe significant churches will be coming together as one to touch their towns and their cities and their nations. And I'm standing here this morning speaking to you to tell you that I believe you have been called by God to provide a model of unity that other churches will be provoked by, will be inspired by and will seek to emulate wherever they are. When I was invited by Neil to be part of this series on unity that is being preached across the two churches I was very excited. I was very pleased to be invited to be part of this because I believe this is part of a dynamic of what God is doing across our nation, bringing people together in unprecedented ways to do unprecedented things. The church of Jesus Christ is designed to be a community. And in 1 Corinthians 12, The Apostle Paul is giving us a vision of that community, both local and universal. And his desire 
Paul's desire as he wrote to the church in Corinth was that every Christian he would, who would ever read this letter would have a vision for both aspects of what he was saying. That's why he tells us in verse 27, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Or as the NIV puts it, Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. That's both each individual Christian and each individual church. The first you in that verse is referring to the whole church, you all. And the second you in that verse is talking about us as individuals coming together as part of it. The word is clear. I don't see how we can get away from it. If you are a follower of Jesus, then you are a part of the whole body of Christ. And so is your church. And we can't ignore that aspect to our ministry. Like it or not, you are a vital part of this wonderful family across the nations called the church. You have been joined as part of a body when you gave your life to Jesus. But it wasn't just part of this church here. It was the whole church. The church there and the church there and the church there. You have been joined to something magnificent. And we together have a responsibility, not just for our own church, but for the whole body of Christ, for all the churches around us. You can even put it in this way to paraphrase what Paul has just said. If one church suffers, all suffer together. If one church is honoured, all rejoice together. Now you all are the body of Christ, individually members of it. You see, my friends, the world out there doesn't know much about community, does it? It's factualized, divided, people shouting at one another. They don't know anything about true community, but that is why God has brought us together. That is why God is calling us together to lay down our differences and show them what true community, true unity, true oneness looks like. And he's calling us to lay down all our differences and truly become one in Christ. And that's why the Bible over and over and over again emphasises this amazing truth that we are better together. Anyone believe that? Amen. Better together, stronger together, more effective together. Not just within the family of each individual church, but together as churches across our nation and across our towns. And I'm here to tell you, I believe it's time to come together and together in our new unity to become an extraordinarily powerful witness to the gospel of Jesus. Because the people out there need to know then unless they receive this salvation, unless they turn to the cross and put their trust in the finished work of Jesus and his shed blood, not only are they facing a lifetime separated from God without any knowledge of him, it's an eternity separated from God that they face. And at present, the church in our country is failing significantly to get that message across. Last... Uh, Last December, Rachel and I were privileged to attend a conference in New York put on by a group of churches called the New Thing Network. 
And I booked into that conference because I'd read two books by the guy who was bringing this conference together and the New Thing Network together, a man called Dave Ferguson. And I've been recommending those two books because they really excited me for God's purpose to everybody I've met ever since. So I recommend them to you now. One's called Exponential and the other one's called Hero Maker. And Dave Ferguson's kingdom perspective in those two books is that we need to be totally committed to an exponential multiplication of the church of Jesus Christ in the Western world. Exponential growth in mission. Exponential growth in church planting. Exponential growth in the development of new leaders, men and women to come through and take on the burden of responsibility. And here's something else. Exponential growth in coming together as the church of Jesus Christ. It it wasn't a big conference. It was mainly made up of pastors just from the New York area, area. In fact, Rachel and I were the only people there from the UK, the only people there from Europe, I think. All told, there are about 300 people at this conference, which was great because it gave us a chance to meet Dave Ferguson personally in the social times and also in the smaller seminars. So on the first morning, Rachel and I found ourselves in a group of 20 people in a little seminar with Dave Ferguson speaking where he really began to share his heart for the church. And although he's the pastor of a church that has 6,000 people in Chicago, which is pretty good going, isn't it? His vision was to see the worldwide church radically transformed, energised about uniting together in church planting, more and more churches being planted across the nations. But here's the thing, he didn't want to say just churches planted. He wanted to see churches planted that would plant other churches, that would plant other churches, that would plant other churches. And that's called multiplication. First of all, though, he gave us some statistics, which I found quite shocking, that his team had researched about the church in the West, not necessarily in the third world or in other parts of the world, but certainly in the West. He said, in the West today, they've discovered that there are basically five types of churches. He called them five levels of churches. Level one churches, which make up 30% of the body of Christ, are churches which are in decline, where the attendance is falling. People die, people leave town, the church gets smaller and smaller. Level two churches, he said, were churches that had plateaued. They weren't declining, but they weren't growing. Some people came in, some people went out. They reckon that's another 30% of the Western church. Level three churches were churches that, hallelujah, were growing, adding to their numbers. 30% of churches were growing in this way, but what he meant by growing is that they're growing a bit. Five years ago, they may have been 120 people. And today there are 140 or 150 people. They're growing, but it's not earth-shattering, is it? Then there were level four churches, he told us, making up 6%. So we're now at 96% of the Western church. These level four churches are churches that are actually reproducing. At some time in the life of that church, they have planted another church or another congregation. Amen. 
but just one more or two more. And then he said, but there are a few churches that are actually fulfilling their biblical mandate to go. He called these level five churches, multiplying churches, churches that have actually done it. They have planted churches or congregations that have planted out themselves other churches and other congregations which have done it and multiplied again and again. Rather like the New Testament church did. It just kept growing and expanding with new and fresh communities everywhere around the Roman Empire. But sadly, he had to point out that there are very few such churches in the West, perhaps 4% at most. But listen, God wants to change that because that's actually what he designed the church to do, to multiply and to multiply exponentially. You see, we're not simply here to gather and wait till kingdom come. We are here as churches. You are here as a church and the church in Thornton Heath is here as a church to seed the whole of Croydon, the whole of London, the whole of the UK, the whole of the world with communities filled with the breathtaking power of the Holy Spirit to transform lives and change the world. Anybody in this room want to change the world? Yeah. Anybody at home want to change the world? Let's hear an amen from you guys at home. So, Jubilee Church... Here's the big issue. Can regions beyond our family of churches become a movement of multiplying churches? Or more significantly, can you become a truly multiplying church yourselves? Are you ready? Do you want to become a multiplying church? That's the question. Because if you don't, you won't. Because to become a multiplying church means you need to be prepared to make some pretty audacious choices. You need to be prepared to make some very significant changes that will sometimes be uncomfortable but will pave the way for multiplication. And I do believe that right now you as a church are being challenged to make a choice. The choice to become a model of unity. The choice to become a new way of doing church with Beulah Family Church. A unity that will break open something completely new, both within our nation and across the whole regions beyond family, particularly in London. I believe you're being honoured with a call. I believe that God has called you as two churches to walk together in such a deep relationship that you break something over Croydon and something else breaks in. Something that will see the birth of a totally new work here. A work that plants congregations and churches, that plant congregations and churches, that plant congregations and churches until this borough is filled with the glory of God. Now let me tell you why I believe that's important. At that conference last year in New York, after laying out that rather depressing picture of the church in the West, rather discouraging, so little growth in the Western church, 
Dave Ferguson then asked the question, why? Why is it like this? Why is the church today under the anointing of the same Holy Spirit that came upon the church in Jerusalem, why are we not multiplying as we should? Why are there so few reproducing churches? Why are there so few multiplying churches? What's missing? And he shared with us that he and one of his colleagues, a man called Patrick O'Connell, have been on their knees before God saying, we've looked at the statistics, we've done our research, Lord. Why is it like this? What is the answer to what's missing? And they felt God say to them, it's not that we have been doing anything wrong, that my church has been doing anything wrong. It's not that we as Bible-believing, spirit-filled Christians and leaders and churches have been in any way disobedient. It's simply that we've missed something. We've missed the big picture through being too individualistic in our attitude to mission, too individualistic in the West, the Western disease, individualism. We have obeyed the Great Commission, Matthew 28, Go and make disciples of all nations. But we've done that again. We've seen that as an individual task that an individual church can do. We've seen the Great Commission as something we as a church should do. We've obeyed the Great Commandment to love in Matthew 22, verse 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind and with all your soul and love your neighbour as yourself. We have love. We have created communities of care and love and affirmation and honouring. And we have reached out to our communities and love people. We've had these mercy ministries. But once again, we've done that in an individual way, as individual churches so often. But there's another aspect to this mission of Jesus that we've overlooked. The truth is we must go and we must love, but here's the thing, we must go in love together. And sadly, too many churches have absolutely no greater vision than to maintain their own present situation and grow in size a little bit, but locally on their own. Somehow churches have come to believe that they can do all their ministry independently of all the brothers and sisters and churches and resources around them. When actually the missing piece, the true success for the mission that Jesus has given us is the importance of collaboration, of working together, of going in love together. And it's this great collaboration, this absolute unity amongst the body of Christ where brothers and sisters say we stand together, we are one together that Jesus actually prayed for on the night before he died. On his knees before the Father, we read in John chapter 17 how Jesus prayed for us. He says this, John 17 verse 18, As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. <coughs> 
so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one, as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have lent, loved me. You see, my friends, it's not simply a case of obeying the Great Commission. It's not simply a case of obeying the Great Command. We also have to obey this desire of Christ's for the Great Collaboration. I can illustrate this in three very simple Diagrams, which I hope will come up behind me. The first, the first one. Here's the Great Commission. To go. Everyone agree with that? We're going to go? Then the second. The Great Command to love. And we're doing that. We love one another in this room. This church is a church filled with love. We have compassion for our community. But there's just one more thing that Jesus wanted to see in his church. And it's this. The Great Collaboration doing these things together. And where these three things come together, that's where the mission of Jesus is and that's where the mission will be accomplished. I'm here today to say that if we are to truly restore Jesus' vision for his church, then we must work together as he and the Father and the Spirit work together in deep community, in complete unity in community and collaboration. And that is we've got to be strategic together. We've got to start praying together, resourcing together, encouraging and supporting and planning together because only the great collaboration will accomplish the mission that Jesus has given us. The truth is that as individual churches, we keep failing. We never come up to our expectations but listen carefully, together we can do it because God is sovereign and that's his plan. Changing Croydon, changing the world is more than any one church, any one group can do, but it's not more than we can do together. And this unity across the body of Christ must become more than just a few prayer meetings, a few pulpit swaps, a few socials. A few praise parties. Something deeper has got to happen if we're going to break open our nation. We must truly begin to collaborate together and seek ways for deeper and deeper unity. Do you know where the word enthusiasm comes from? It comes from a Greek word, entheos, which means God within. And when we do come together as Christians, what we will discover is a new enthusiasm for being the people of God. Because it will be a brand new God within us moment. Because Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together, there I am with them. Unity, he expresses himself in the fullest sense. I know time's moving on, but can I just share a dream? I don't know whether you know this, but Hope Church in Bromley, we are achieving something quite significant, I believe. We now have six congregations across the borough. 
We have a vision for 20 congregations across the borough. We have an increasingly effective profile in that town. But I believe God's given me an even bigger vision now. A multi-site church like that in every one of the London boroughs. Every one of the 32 boroughs. Now, do you think that's a big goal? A bit audacious? I was thinking about this. Is this just, Trevor, you're getting a bit out of hand here. And then I suddenly had this thought of the 120 disciples after Jesus had ascended into heaven, waiting in that room, praying together, talking together, uh, with the words of Jesus ringing in their ears, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And I imagine someone piping up, maybe Thomas, and saying, well, okay, lads, I, I get the Jerusalem bit. I think I may be up for the Judea bit, but Samaria, that's pushing it. The ends of the earth. Pull the other one. Well, here's something else I want to share with you, which might sound audacious. I believe that that vision of a multi-site church in every borough of London that others can model could start here in the borough of Croydon. That you are being called to build a model that others will follow. Someone's got to break the pattern. Someone's got to pioneer unity. And I believe that when elders and leaders and churches do come together, God will turn up in a more profound way than we dare to believe. And that's why I love Regions Beyond, our commitment to working together in unity. But I think it's time to go even further than that. It's time for some really radical changes. It's time for one or two churches to step up and say, yeah, let's do it. We live in such a fragmented, fractured world. Everyone around us, people are encouraged to follow their own dreams, achieve their own ambitions, achieve their own personal goals, and it's infiltrated the church. But fulfilling Jesus' prayer for unity amongst his people means we've got to start thinking in a new way about unity. And Jesus actually prayed on the night before he died that we would have the courage to do it. He prayed that everyone who would believe in him would come together as one. And I believe that we can become the answer to Jesus' prayer. That this church can become part of the answer of Jesus' prayer. And I believe that right now we are being challenged to be the generation that actually lays down any petty differences to finally come together to build a bridge of love and redemption to a lost and lonely world around us. And I just want to finish by saying this. The Bible is clear. If we are one, the world will know that God is one. And with a slightly different spelling, then the world will be one. This is how the world will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another, that you are one. Amen? God bless you.